Praise be to God. Alright, so today we're going to be looking at a subject, uh, rather we're going to be learning on covenants. Covenant keeping God. Yeah, so we're going to be looking at the subject on covenants and um, I believe this is a relationship that many of us get or rather need to get to understand when we are dealing with God, all right, and uh, uh, I do acknowledge, and obviously many of you have been exposed to the word covenant. In fact, we can't even run away from it when we when we open our Bibles, when we tell you uh, open from the Old Testament. That word testament simply means covenant or agreement. Open from the New Testament, it also means covenant. So, I mean, it would be more expedient if we get to dig a little bit deeper in this aspect of covenants, see where we fit in and how we can respond to the subject of covenants, right? Now, by definition, a covenant from its Latin origin simply means coming together or two parties or parties, uh, better yet, coming together whose purpose is to make an agreement, uh, number two, to make a contract or promises and responsibilities. So whenever somebody is under a covenant, uh, we have parties come together. And when those parties come together, there is an agreement that is made. There is uh, understanding that is established. There are responsibilities, privileges, and promises. So you will notice that because of all those things that are, you know, involved, covenants can transition into different kinds of agreements altogether. Right. Now, seeing that we are looking at it based on a spiritual and biblical perspective, uh, covenants have levels, okay? And uh, the first level of covenants is a covenant between God and man. Right, God establishing an, a covenant with man. That's that divinity establishing a covenant with humanity. That's the first level of covenants. Then the next level of covenants is uh, man to man. Uh, man to man simply means it's established on a human, you know, platform. It's it's humanity that are meeting together and are understanding or even establishing a covenant together. Uh, one of the best examples of a covenant established amongst humanity is the institution of marriage. Marriage is a, is a covenant. It's, it's, it's a union where man and woman agree right there at the altar. You say, um, I say yes to you and no to everybody else. And when that utterance has been made, a covenant is established between the man and the woman. That's why when we call, uh, when, whenever that is being done, we call it a wedding day. The word wedding comes from the word welding, which simply means to join together. So once you say, yes, I do, and the other party says, I do, the officiator says, all right, God bless you, and God welds you together. That's why you can't separate whom God has joined together. Amen and amen. And uh, we also see uh, lower levels of covenants from a humanity's perspective. Some people make covenants as friends, okay? Uh, for example, David made a covenant with his best friend, Jonathan, all right? 
that was the first place that we saw a BFF, a best friend forever. <laughs> and the covenant was established uh, between the two. And uh, obviously, there are foolish levels of covenants between girlfriends and boyfriends, which sometimes people want to engage blood and other things. And yes, those things do happen. Uh, it's a level that people uh, engage in and would really establish a covenant. Uh, amen and amen. Apart from that, uh, there is now also another level of covenant, which is not necessarily between man to man, but this one is uh, between man and either his resources or his members. Okay. In Job 31 verse 1, you will see that Job made a covenant with his own members. Let's look at that. It's very interesting how he made a covenant with his very own members. Job 31 and verse 1. Look at this. It says, I dictated a covenant, an agreement to my eyes. How then could I look lustfully upon it? So he made a covenant with his eyes to not look at girls lustfully. Hallelujah. So that's another level of covenants that you can make with your eyes, with your, with your every member or resource that you might have access to. Amen and amen. Now, seeing that we've established that there are different levels of covenants, there are also what I call types of covenants. Okay. Remember I said covenants involve people coming together and have certain uh, privileges, agreements, all together. So this, this, this threefold level kind of covenant can be, uh, can, can be described in different types. And there are two major types of covenants. Number one, there are con covenants that are conditional. Yet there are covenants that are unconditional. So you can establish a covenant with man and decide whether this covenant is conditional or whether it's going to be unconditional. All right, what does it mean when, it's, when, when we say a covenant is conditional? We are saying, you, you have to do your part and I'm going to do your, my part. Okay, uh, unconditional means, okay, uh, even though you don't do my, your part, I'm going to do my part. All right, so... Uh, covenants can be conditional and in an example, especially in the natural perspective of a covenant that can be conditional is a contract. Okay, those of you who work, uh, a contract is very conditional. You can't expect and say you've signed a contract from your boss and not go for work and think you will get paid. No, it doesn't work like that. Uh, the contract agreement demands you to work. It demands you to uh, be obedient and diligent towards your affairs and afterwards uh, the employer does his own part so a contract is an example of a covenant or an agreement that is conditional and then uh, an example a basic example of an agreement that is unconditional is a will if I say I am leaving you a house my brother it is yours, and you don't have to do anything about it. Why? It is what? Yours. You don't have to pray about it. You don't have to fast about it, but I am giving it to you. It is my part towards you. Have we understood? All right. Now, we're going to look at the first level of covenants. These are covenants that are established between God and man. Why? Because we really want to know and we really want to reach to a place where our relationship with God uh, has great understanding, okay? And we really want to see, did God ever make an agreement? Did God ever make a covenant with man? If at all he made, was it, when was it? Uh, is it still there? Are we, are we under a covenant with God? Also, we need to look at things like, is our covenant with God conditional or is it unconditional? And uh, where do we stand? Do we have to respond to it? Amen and amen. 
So we're going to look at uh, God's covenants, rather covenants that are coming from God towards man. Now it's quite interesting that you study in the book of Genesis chapter number one, we will notice that man was created on the sixth day. And on the seventh day, uh, God had rested. And that's why many theologians have love to describe six as the number of man. And in the same way today, I'm going to share with you six covenants that God established with man. Ask your neighbor, which one do you know of the six? You know, doubt, but ah, sixy. <laughs> amen and amen. All right. Now, I'll start with the first one. Now, with the first one, I know there's a little bit of a debate, especially with theologians, because uh, you see, when, when we're talking about covenant, sometimes you don't have to say covenant for an agreement to be established. Sometimes you just need to be in common grounds. Have you noticed, especially for those people who even love to, uh, uh, well, maybe in, in, in a relationship aspect, you tell You've not just started dating, but you tell someone, I like you. And the other person tells you, I like you too. <laughs> you don't have to say anything. Just that. Just that. Whether you lie yourself, there's a sore tie that has already been established by you communicating. Even though you say it's not official, you are still connected. Covenant. <laughs> That's why we encourage you. <laughs> If someone says, I like you, if you like them too and you're not yet sure, keep quiet. Before you establish a covenant. But we're talking about God, man, not man to man. All right. First covenant we see is what is known as the Adamic covenant. The Adamic covenant. This is where God creates man. And when he creates Adam, places him in the Garden of Eden, and God instructs Adam to do something. Now, take note, be, when I'm describing each covenant, there will be a, a, a word that I'll, I'll be attributing to this covenant, all right? And in these, in these six covenants, I'll give you six arrows that were attached to these covenants, all right? So the first arrow that was attached to the Adamic covenant was to rule. To rule. And this is where Adam is placed now in the garden and he is given a command to rule and he begins to respond to it. All right. And he's also told Adam, ensure as you are ruling, do not, do not partake of this thing that I have forbidden you to partake. Otherwise, if you partake of it, you will die. That word die is, 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 is not a physical death. It's a spiritual death, which simply means separation. Meaning you're breaking the covenant with me. You will not be with me. I will not be with you. That's why immediately when they ate of that, you will notice that these men, these people did not die physically, not at all. But they were chased from the garden. Why? They did not keep up with the condition that was there. In Hosea chapter number 6, and verse 6 to 7, we see something. For I desire mercy and not a sacrifice. And the Lord... And the, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Uh-huh, next verse. But like men, give it, give it to me in the uh, Amplified. Start from verse 6. Start from verse 6. Yeah, for I desire and I delight in beautiful, steadfast love and goodness, not sacrifice and the knowledge of the acquaintance with God more than burnt offerings. Verse 7. But they, like the less privileged men, and like Adam, have transgressed the covenant. There have, there have they dealt falsely and treacherously 
with me. All right, so we see how the Bible is making a description of how men and also Adam had transgressed the covenant that was established. Hallelujah. And uh, well, we know what happened when Adam had fallen. God had said something. He said, okay, in, in Genesis 3 verse 15, he tells us how there was going to be a redemptive plan for all humanity. Why? Because when you look at the fall of Adam, Adam simply was a man that was representing the entire mankind. So this fall was so dangerous because it was representing every other man. But God had to establish a redemptive plan of Adam and every other man by sending a second what? Adam. All right. Number two, there, is, there was a covenant that was established with Noah. They call it the Noahic covenant. Genesis chapter number six and verse 18. You can just now put it back in the NKJV. Now God is speaking and he says, I will establish my covenant with you and you shall go into the ark. You, your sons, your wife, your sons' wives with you. Now, you observe that during this time, the entire generation was wicked. Only one man was found to be righteous, which is Noah. Not even the sons of Noah were found to be righteous. Not even the wives of Noah were found, you know, to be righteous. Or I mean the wives of the, the sons of Noah were found to be righteous. Yet God is establishing a covenant with a righteous man and says even your family, they are going to go into the ark. So in the Noahic covenant, we see another era which is called restraining. So God restrains judgment to come upon this household. He restrains judgment to come upon this household. Yet everyone else is destroyed with the flood. And he continues to establish a covenant and we see in Genesis chapter number 9, this is after the flood, verse 16 to 17, that we see another restraining, another restraining uh, agreement is, is actually given. All right, look at that. The Bible says, The rainbow shall be in the cloud, and I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all the flesh that is on the earth. Next verse. And God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all the flesh that is on earth. What was he trying to say? He was saying, after the flood, God said, I'm not going to destroy anyone else with a flood. I'm not going to wipe out the entire universe again with a flood. No, 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 no. And the sign that is going to be there that I will not wipe out is that there's going to be a rainbow. The rainbow will be reminding me and say, ah, when I see the rainbow, I'm going to restrain Hallelujah. So we see a restraining of judgment even through uh, God declaring that people will no longer be killed with a flood. So certain covenants, like especially the one where we are seeing uh, with Noah and the others that we are even going to see a little bit later on, some of them have signs. Some of them even have commandments altogether. Now, it's very, very interesting that you would see even just between the first one that I explained and the second one. The first one that I explained for Adam and Eve, they, they missed out. They failed to do their part. But you will see this one where God says, I will no longer destroy the earth with a flood. This one had nothing to do with you. It was unconditional. God decided. He says, I will not destroy it. It's his part. 
Hallelujah. Then afterwards we see what is known as the third covenant. It's known as the Abrahamic covenant. Genesis chapter number 12 and verse 1 to 3. The Abrahamic covenant. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Next verse. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse <laughs> him who curses you and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Listen. This one which it says I will bless those who curse who bless you and curse all all you who curse you. That one did not come to Noah. It came to Abraham. What am I trying to say? If the covenant was established with a certain individual, you can't say no, even me. Why? Because it was not established with you. It was established with Abraham. And that's why you will notice even as we are studying the scriptures or even when you read the scriptures, there is a way that when God establishes a covenant with someone, even God himself will come and say, "I am the God of Abraham." But won't say I'm the God of Job. So be careful when you like saying things. Eh, the God of Shanshan. Are you sure they made a covenant with that God? He says, "I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob." He would say that, but he would not say, "I'm the God of Jonah." Why? There was no covenant. Now it's quite interesting that we see the covenant that is established with God and Abraham. In, in 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 verse one, he stood to leave his land, and then he stood the things that is going to happen. He says, "I will give you land." God is telling Abraham, "I'm going to give you land," and he's also telling him that I will make your name great. Then in verse three, get back to verse three, please. Yeah, in verse three, he says, "I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you." And then listen, it says, "And in you." in you all the families of the shall be blessed meaning <laughs> if we are talking about the blessing falling upon the families of the earth it should be through abraham that's what god has established it says in you all the families listen if you are a child of god and you call yourself blessed just know that you are connected to abraham one way or another because this is what God established. Woo! Glory to God. So Abraham in the covenant that God is establishing with him there is an inheritance that is being promised. There is a blessing that is being promised. But there is also an instruction to move in this. The Bible tells us they told Abraham to move from his father's house and go to a place that God was going to show him apart from that the sign of this covenant is that everyone had to be circumcised yeah that's why the Jews were so strong concerning circumcision this was the sign of the Abrahamic covenant everyone had to be circumcised All right. I hope we're getting something. In the now the fourth covenant. This is a covenant that was established with the nation Israel, but is sometimes called the Mosaic covenant because Moses was a mediator. Oh. And I said uh, number 1 I had said the Adamic covenant was there the attachment there is rule the noic covenant is restrained the abrahamic covenant is restore all right is restore because remember everyone had left uh, everything was lost 
for man. And so the covenant of Abraham was to restore. Then the Mosaic covenant, that is a covenant that is revealed, uh, uh, a covenant that is given to Israel. In this covenant, we see God declare his standards to Israel. Okay, we know that on, on, on Mount Sinai, God gives Moses uh, tablets and commandments. And there are commandments that are given to the nation of Israel. Commandments like, you shall have no other God apart from me. You shall not do this. You shall not do that. Uh, sometimes we call them the Ten Commandments. And we sometimes even call it the law. And you will notice that these standards that God was given in, given in this uh, covenant is that in your obedience, you are going to have blessings. In your disobedience, there's going to be curses. So this one was very, very conditional. <laughs> this one was very, very conditional. When you're obedient, ah, the blessing will be upon you. When you're disobedient, ah, curses are going to follow you. So there was this covenant that was established with Israel through Moses. And God declared that, okay, I'm going to show you my standards. I demand you to live holy. I demand you to live righteous. I demand you to live a certain way. If you do good, ah, well and good, it will be good for you. If you do bad, I'm sorry, you're going to see adverse, you know, results. So there was great demands that the nation of Israel needed to fulfill. Now, what did the covenant, the Mosaic covenant do? What is the attachment? The attachment is that God gave this covenant to reveal to Israel that they needed a perfect sacrifice. To reveal to Israel that they needed God. So the law was given just to expose to Israel that you can't do it on your own. You want to be holy, you can't be holy alone. It's not possible. Oh, you want to be righteous? You can't be righteous alone. Yet God is giving the laws. He's saying, these are my standards. I demand you to live holy. I demand you to be righteous. I demand you to walk in perfection. I'm giving it to you. Do it. The more Israel was doing it, it was just there to show them that, ha, these demands, <laughs> we can't meet them. We need someone to help us meet them. We need God himself to meet God's standards. So the Mosaic covenant was there to reveal. Then the fifth one. There was a covenant that was established with David. God established a covenant with David. However, you're going to write it. I don't know if you want to say Davidic. <laughs> or David covenant. Whatever you're going to write. But it's a covenant that was established with David. And the attachment of this covenant was to reign, reign, reign. Second Samuel chapter number 7 and verse 12. Look at this. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you. Who will come from your body? This is, this is a word that is being given to David, okay? And God is saying, I will set up a seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. Next verse. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his forever. Uh -huh. I will be his father and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. Yep. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Ah. Then if thou, this is where even the prophecy comes in. It says, and your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you and your throne shall be established forever. Now, God is establishing a, a, a covenant with David, okay? Now, while he's establishing a covenant with David, we see that he is giving prophecy of two things, okay? He's giving prophecy of two things, all right? The son, but, but, but even though it's the two things, these are both sons of David. He's saying your son who will come from 
your body is going to build a house. All right, and that's why we notice that Solomon, who was God, uh, D- David's son, built the temple. All right, but then the Bible is telling us that I'm going to establish your kingdom forever. How can you tell David, David, a mere human being, that he, his kingdom is going to estab- is, is, is going to be established forever? So, which son of David is going to come and rule this kingdom forever? <laughs> Hallelujah. He's saying, so the covenant of David is, is revealing a facet of a covenant that someone has to come and reign. And when we're talking about this one, the Bible tells us he will reign with the scepter, the righteous scepter. This one, this one will reign forever. So God is now making a plan. He's making covenants, but while he's making covenants, he's introducing someone. He's introducing someone. He's making covenants very, 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 from the time of Noah. There is someone that, in fact, from the time of Adam. Because in Genesis 3 verse 15, the Bible tells us, don't go there. The Bible tells us that the seed of the woman was going to crush Satan, was going to crush the serpent. In short, God was introducing, look, the first Adam had fallen, but I'm going to bring out a seed from this woman who's going to sort out something in humanity. And so when he's establishing a covenant with Noah, restraining, what he is doing at that moment is that he is ensuring that mm-mm, the next time, if I decide to kill the, the nations with a flood and I don't find anyone, that seed will not come. So what should I do? Restrain. So that he can come. Hallelujah. Uh, if we're talking about Abraham, uh, we are going to see that uh, Abraham's seed is going to be blessed. But anyway, we're going we're, we're gonna to go to that. We're going to go to that real, real shortly. But what I'm trying to say is that in the covenant of David, we are seeing there's a revelation of someone who's going to come and reign forever. Forever. And that's the fifth covenant. His throne is established forever. And then the sixth covenant, the covenant of man, is what... Uh, others would describe as the covenant of grace, but yet it's okay to describe it as the new covenant. Jeremiah 31 and verse 27 to 34. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will sow in the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of man and the seed of the beast. And it shall come to pass that as I have watched over them to pluck up, to pluck up, to break down, to throw down, to destroy, to afflict, and to watch over them, to build and to plant, says the Lord. Uh-huh. In those days they shall say no more, the fathers have eaten sour grapes. And the children's teeth are set on edge. Uh-huh. But everyone shall die of his iniquity, and everyone who eats the sour grapes, his teeth shall be set on edge. Uh-huh. Then he says, Behold, this is where our, our, our focus is. Behold, the days are coming. He didn't say they had come by that time. He says, The days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. With the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Yeah. Go ahead. Not according to the covenant that I had made with their fathers. See that? In the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant, which they did what? They broke. Though I was a husband to them, says the Lord, uh-huh. 
But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, on tablets. This time it's going to be written on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Uh Uh-huh. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all for they all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquities and their sin I will remember no more, no more, no more. He's saying, Ah, there's gonna be a new covenant in those days. In, in, in those days, there's gonna be a new covenant. Yes, they broke my covenant. But this one, this one, when, when this covenant is established, I will not ask them and say, no, uh, you can apply for me, for, for you to be a father. No, 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 no. I will do everything necessary for me to become their father. I will do everything necessary for me, for, for, for me to ensure that I become their God. And this is what is known as the new covenant. Amen and amen. And we see it in Hebrews chapter numbers 8 and verse 6. It says, but now he has obtained a more excellent ministry. Inasmuch as he is also a mediator of a better covenant, which is established on better promises. Woo. I, I, I don't know, ask your neighbor, which covenant do you belong to? The Bible says there is what is known as a new covenant. And the Bible is declaring that Jesus obtained a new, far excellent ministry. And this ministry is him being a mediator of a better covenant. It even calls it better. Then it says, which was established on better promises. It simply means there are privileges under this covenant. There are promises under this covenant. Wow. Now, like I said, even in the beginning, I said all these covenants were really like domino effects pushing to introduce this ultimate and this great covenant that is known as the new covenant. And this new covenant, of course, having Jesus as the mediator, having Jesus as the one that came and established this great and new covenant, ah, then we need to see, okay, we need to understand a few things. Because remember, there were were, were a little bit controversial things that were being spoken uh, in the other covenants. And it seems like we needed those men for us to experience certain things. Um, let's look at, we've looked at how Noah, in the covenant of Noah, there was a restraining hand of God so that Jesus can come through. Isn't that so? But then, in, with regards to Abraham, Genesis, or oh, Galatians 3 verse 16. Galatians 3 verse 16. Remember, the covenant of Abraham declared that he was going to be a great name and all, all families should be blessed through him. Isn't that so? It says all families should be blessed through him. Now look at what Galatians 3 verse 16 says. It says, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. I love this. Look at this. It says, he does not say and to seeds as of many, but as of one. <laughs> It didn't say the seeds of Abraham. It says the seed. The seed of Abraham. That's the one who's supposed to be blessed. Now, how can we be blessed if only it's the seed of Abraham that should be blessed? How? It says, now to Abraham and his seed where the promise is made. He does not say, and to seeds as of many, but as of one. And to your seed who is Christ. It declares and it shows us 
that Jesus became the seed of Abraham. When God is establishing a promise with Abraham, he is calling him first, you are, you are a father of many nations. But at that time, at that time, remember, Abraham was not a father. He didn't have any child. And the Bible shows us how God gave Abraham a son known as what? Isaac. Then, you know how the Bible is. It loves to prophesy things before it happens. Suddenly, God tells Abraham and says, sacrifice Isaac, your only son. Your beloved son. Sacrifice him. And Abraham takes Isaac, his only son, puts him on the altar. But God does not permit Abraham to kill his son. Ah. God does not permit Abraham to kill his son. What does he do? He provides a ram. And that's why that place was known as Jehovah Jireh, meaning God shall provide. In short, Abraham was prophesying, saying, the perfect sacrifice, God is going to provide. And that's going to be the lamb of God, Jesus. That's how Jesus now becomes the seed of Abraham. Have you seen how God is spiritual intelligence? He provides a seed. Glory to God. Then let's skip to verse 26 because in case you are worried, some of you are just saying, hey, now Jesus is the seed. Nangai say. <laughs> it says, for you are all sons of God through faith in. Not uh, where? In. Hey, 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 where? In Jesus Christ. Aha, uh-huh, next verse. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So you, Jesus is the seed of Abraham and we know the blessings will flow to Jesus. But Jesus has baptized you in. <laughs> verse 28. There is no Jew, no Greek, there is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. And the next verse, the Bible says, And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heir according to the promise. It says, If now you are in you are also the seed of Abraham. So the Abrahamic blessing, you have access to it. Why? Because you are now in Christ. Look at the blessing of Abraham. The Bible says he was blessed in all things. That was the blessing of Abraham. <laughs> and also the blessing of Abraham shows us that he had inheritance. Tell your neighbor, Nina, inheritance in it. What's that one I saw? Hey. Yeah, 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 yeah. But now, those another, we need to sort out another challenge. The challenge, the other challenge is that the sign of the Abrahamic blessing is that Abraham and his people needed to be circumcised. Hey. Uh-huh. Maybe it's such a bunch. Philippians chapter number 3, verse 3. For we are the circumcision <laughs> who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. It means now that we are under the new covenant, when we are baptized in Christ, there is no need for the flesh. There is a now there is, there is an upgrade in the spirit. We have become the circumcision. The way there is an upgrade for God not to give us stone tablets, but He now writes on our hearts. In the same way, we don't need to be circumcised physically. We have become the circumcision, and so in Christ we are the seed of Abraham. Woo! This is so exciting. Yes. 
Now, the Mosaic Covenant. Remember, I said the Mosaic Covenant was the covenant given to Israel through Moses. And this one had demands. This one had demands. This one needed Israel. It says, for you to walk in it, this one, you need Israel to walk perfect. But it's so interesting that Israel, no matter how much they tried, none of them managed. But when Jesus came, the Bible shows us he was the faithful Israelite who fulfilled the demands of the law. (laughs) It tells us that he fulfilled the demands of the law. And Father went to die for us. And when he died for us, the Bible says now he has redeemed us from the curse of the law. While he was on the cross, the Bible says the handwriting, the handwriting of negative ordinances that was for you was nailed to the cross as well. Those ordinances which were declaring for you its eternal damnation, they were nailed to the cross. And Jesus fulfilled all the requirements of the law. And that's why he tells you, okay, I have fulfilled the requirements of the law, so you don't need to walk by the law. I am now bringing to you a covenant of grace. Walk in grace. Walk in grace. I've done it. Walk in grace. Hallelujah. And obviously the other one is very obvious. The covenant that is established with David, it talks about a king that is going to reign forever. And it's so interesting that uh, when Jesus was about to step up, an angel appears to the people and says, "Uh, great news I bring to you today. Good news, good news I bring to you today. Today in the city of David. A child is born. (laughs) He says, today in the city of David, a child is born. This one will be a great marvel to everyone else. So Jesus had to come through the lineage of David. That's why we see people like Bartimaeus crying out to Jesus and say, Jesus of David, have mercy on me. Why? Jesus is the son of David that comes and when he comes God establishes his throne and kingdom forever that's why we call him king of kings he's the one ruling with the righteous scepter ruling over our lives when we're talking about coming to my life we're talking about the king who has established his throne forever We don't call names like David. We don't call names like Abraham or whatsoever. We call the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hebrews number 9 verse 16. For where there is a testament, there must also there must also of necessity be the death of the, te- te- the tester. Just stop there. Now, remember in Hebrews 8, we established that Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant. And I told you something about covenants. And I told you that covenants can either be conditional or unconditional. When covenants are conditional, they become like contracts. But when they are unconditional, they become like wills. But for a will to take effect, someone has to die. Hey, 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 hey. For where there is a testament, there must also be a necessity. Be the death of the the testament. Somebody has to die. In case someone once asked you a question, 
Why was it necessary for Jesus to die? Should have told them nanga we was atenga bwanj. Ah, that's one of the reasons. It says somebody had to die. Somebody had to die. And we know how it works. Especially even in our natural world. You find that before someone leaves, they write their will. Then when they die, that will is in effect to the person who it's written to. Now there is an agreement, what known as a new covenant that is established, where first of all it is better than the previous covenants, and it has got better promises. But then the Bible tells us where this agreement is, it's necessary for the one that established this agreement to die. And that's why the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ, who is the mediator, came to earth, and on the cross he's died. He died on the cross. But there's something unique about this one. This one dies, but after three days, he rises again. (laughs) This one dies, but after three days, he rises again so that he can see you enjoying what he has given for you. So that he can obtain an excellent ministry, which the Bible also calls him the high priest who makes intercession for you in heaven right now. So what is happening is now that Jesus died, the will became effectful. He ascended to heaven and became a high priest. And what is he doing? He's interceding. I pray for Loriska. May she know her inheritance. He's interceding so that Loriska now begins to walk in her inheritance. He's interceding. I am praying for Martha. This thing needs to happen to her. I'm praying for this one. Until he sees his will established in you, he won't stop praying. And that's why Colossians 1 and verse 12 says this. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the in the light. Ah, there's an inheritance. There's an inheritance. Now the Bible is saying you have been qualified. You have been qualified. Who qualified you? The Father. So what does that mean? If the Father qualified you to receive an inheritance, you have no capacity to disqualify yourself. Because it was not by merit that you were qualified. It was by his grace. Then remember like Abraham, for the covenant to really be in effect, Abraham was told, move from your father's side and go to a place that I'm going to tell you. And Jesus knew this one is also possible. That's why in verse 13, what does the Bible tell us? Uh, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and has conveyed us to the kingdom of his dear son, of his love. Uh, Even as we've moved, Satan was a father, but not, not anymore. We've now moved to the kingdom of his dear son, Jesus Christ. There is where we are enjoying the new covenant, a covenant where we are qualified. Have you ever wondered why people like Paul say many are the promises of God? He says many. These many promises are found in the new covenant. And he says for us, the only thing we need to do is just say yes and amen. Yes and amen. Remember when we used to shout yes? Uh-huh. It says many are the promises for them. In Hebrews it says there are promises that are established under a better covenant. Saints of God, I came to tell somebody, you are under a new covenant. A new covenant of God. A covenant that is unconditional. A covenant which has got great privileges for you. A great covenant that you need to walk in. 
saints of God, all these other covenants we saw that when the covenant was established, the recipient of the covenant walked in the privileges. We saw how Abraham enjoyed the privileges. The man was rich that he had 300 garden boys, 300 maids. Which household in Zambia has 300 maids? That's how rich that man was. He was blessed in all things. Hallelujah. We see how David, the covenant of David when it was established, we see how Solomon was raised and when he was raised, he began to work and build the covenant. I'll tell you one thing. Do you know that Solomon, Solomon messed up at some point. I'm sure you know how he messed up. Unfortunately, he was taking advantage of a covenant. Now you observe that God couldn't do anything to Solomon because the covenant that God had was with David. So it was preserving Solomon. <laughs> but the problem is, since the covenant was with David, when the seed of Solomon tried to do this, that's when Israel was split into half. It was taken away. Taken away until the rightful heir, who is Jesus, restored, or rather got it. What am I trying to say? You and I today need to understand that we are in a new covenant. But when you understand that you are in a new covenant and in an agreement, you have to understand the terms of the agreement. One of the things you people do when you're getting jobs is that you look at the contract before you sign it. And you see, oh, I've got gratuity. Oh, I've got leave days. Oh, I've got this. Oh, I've got this and that. And you're happy about it. But the question is, which... Which areas of this covenant do you know that you must benefit? The Bible says there are many promises. There are many ones. At least mention two. Do you know them? And the Bible has already told us that look, for their will to be effective, the person who established the covenant should die. And Jesus did that, meaning the will is already effective. But remember how it is concerning wills. Even though your father or your uncle has, has, has left you something, if you don't go and present yourself, <laughs> if you don't go and present yourself, it will just remain with the mediators. It will remain with, with, with the lawyers. That's why you will notice there are certain people, they, the lawyers will say, ah, we've been looking for you for years. Why? No, you've got 17 houses. Not here. Yet you were living like you had no house at all. You see how, you see how dangerous ignorance is. You have a will that is made available for you, which is written for your sake. But when have you ever said, I'm here. I'm here to get what's mine. I'm here to grab my health. I'm here to grab whatever is mine. When last did you do that? And so, because you're not doing that, the enemy has initiated spiritual cadres that are taking care of your land. Eh? They are taking care of your land. They are to fellow satanists. Those blessings which you are supposed to be working with. Eh? And they've, they've, even, they've even lied to you that now when you join the occult, you can have, you can have great things all together. You make money quickly. Inheritance. Inheritance. Who hasn't yet realized? Hallelujah. So how should you deal with it? Here is your will. Open. Here is your will. Open. Search. 
Sometimes they've put someone's name, Rab, put your name. Blessed along with Abraham and Gomezio, put. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. Gomezio, bless the Lord. Forget not his benefits who heals you of all, not some, diseases. Start checking them. Start checking them. And that's what Jesus knew. He was teaching you, especially in the moment of temptation, when Satan wanted to play around with his life, when Satan wanted to derail him from his real vision and his assignment, Jesus would respond and say, Don't worry. It is written. It's already written. It's already written. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but everything but proceeds from the mouth of God. It is written. So how should you know? How should you know what has been written to you? How should you know and declare whatsoever God has proposed over your life? If it's your health, you need to come and say, It is written. And say, God <laughs> was whipped for my sake. And by his stripes, I am healed. You get it, you get it, you go there. You get it, good. you go there. If we're talking about prosperity, you say, it is written that he was made poor for my sake. That I may receive the riches of God. Hallelujah. Uh, you, you, want, you want sound mind? It's a, hey, the punishment for the sake of your peace was upon him. It is written. You want capacity? You come and say, it is written. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. You are qualified. That's why, that's why when Paul is praying for the saints in Ephesians chapter number 1, 18 going to 19. He's saying, I'm praying for, two th for, for three things. Number one, that you may grow in the knowledge of God. Number two, that your eyes may be enlightened, that you may know the inheritance of the saints of light. Yeah. It says that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints. You have to know the riches of the inheritance. Listen, we've reached to a place where many of you have been delivered from Egypt or delivered from the kingdom of darkness. Then, now need to go to the promised land. Satan now cannot fight you because you've already been de delivered from the kingdom of from darkness. But now what he will want to fight is inheritance. Where you've reached at a land full of milk and honey. Are you going to be like Joshua and Caleb who say, Hey, behold, <laughs> these enemies are like bread before us. They are nothing. Or are you going to be like the others who say, mm, 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 These giants are dangerous for us. I came to tell somebody, to your neighbor, to you, that there's a new covenant that we are living under. This covenant is full of blessings. This covenant is full of riches that you have access to. And one thing you need to understand about this covenant is that it's not insufficient. It's every sufficient thing. That's why the Bible says, blessed be the God of our Father and Lord uh, of, of, of Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies. Then it goes on to tell us, he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. All things... That's why there are certain people who understand that for me, I enjoy God's protection. And the way they will pray about it is so different. Others will say, ah, for me, I can't. Have you ever heard people say, I will never be broke in my life? Never. Why is it difficult for you to say that? There are others who understand covenants. There are others who say, me, never be sick. Never. I can't. Others say, me, <laughs> no matter what, 
Even if bad news comes, I will not be shaken. You can't take away my joy. Why? They know the covenant that they are exposed to and connected to. This is the covenant, the new covenant that has been made available to you and I. The will is active, but are you active to receive from that will? So today, I came to provoke you. Oh, child of God, now that you are under this new covenant, enjoy the privileges until Jesus comes. Perhaps next time we might dig deep into what the privileges are, just in case you want to know. But for now, I wanted to start by telling you, there is a covenant, and this covenant is a new covenant established by Jesus Christ, which is unconditional for your sake. It has got nothing to do with what you have done, the wrongs you have done, the goods you have done. No, 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 no. It's by his hand that we are here. Let's rise to our feet.